welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. This morning, we're going to be finishing up our sermon series called Bear Fruit. We've been in Galatians chapter 5 looking at the fruit of the Spirit, the characteristics of what that looks like, and how to see that applied in our lives. And just as a reminder, we've been look at the, looking at these as kind of groups of three, love, joy, and peace are all kind of directed towards uh, God as uh, the source, and we're the recipients of uh, the next three Pastor Tom tackled last week, and those have to do with really loving our neighbor as ourself. It's kind of taking what God's done in us and doing it outward. And this morning, we're going to be looking inside. This morning, we're going to be looking at the last three, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And these really have to do with an inside type of work that the Holy Spirit is doing in us towards being able to be consistent in walking out our faith. Early on uh, in our marriage, uh, Beth uh, made a batch of cookies that were new to me. Uh, they were oatmeal cookies. And before you go wah, wah, because right, some of us about oatmeal cookies, they were oatmeal cookies with butterscotch chips in them. We call them oatmeal scotchies, and they are ridiculously good. And this was early on in our marriage, and, and this was something I didn't know that she had this skill, and this was kind of a new thing. And all of a sudden, these cookies are being baked. I don't remember what we were watching on TV, but I remember smelling the cookies from the kitchen. And I came in there, and I was just like, what is, what is happening? This is a new, like, what is happening here? And she's like, these are oatmeal scotchies. We made these all the time. And I'm like, I've been missing out my whole life. And so as these cookies were coming out, they were warm, they were fresh made, and I like cookies when they're warm, and you can take them and you can fold them in half like a taco and then eat them in one bite. And so that's, that's what I started doing even as they were coming out. She's like, hold on, let me get finished. And so I went back, and uh, she brought a plate out into the living room, and they did not last very long. Uh, we, we were eating those. She would eat them like a normal person, would take a cookie and a few bites. I was doing the taco fold, and boom, boom, boom. And then the plate was empty. The plate was gone. But I knew that there were more cookies in the kitchen. And so I was like, I'll go get more, right, being the gentleman that I was. And I went into the kitchen, and I would take a cookie and put it on the plate, and then I would take one and fold it and put it in my face. And so I was eating cookies as I was plating cookies for us to share making sure that I got a little bit extra on that side. And we went through all of those cookies in an evening, and I can tell you most of them were eaten in the kitchen by fold and stuff Ben just kind of going to town on that. There was no self-control. There was no discipline. I would tell you that I could not stop, but we all know I just would not stop. And I, I share that with you. Uh, because we can all kind of relate to that, and is, as, as an example, just kind of a one-off, eating cookies a whole plate at a time. If you do it one time, it's really not that harmful or detrimental to your life. But I have found in my personal life that some of the most difficult struggles that I've had to move through, some of the biggest battles that I've faced, haven't been with people haven't been with circumstances or things going on outside of me that many of the biggest battles I've faced have been internal ones. It's been inside stuff. Some of the toughest battles are fought within ourselves, and it's a, it's a battle of our will. And when we enter that arena, when we kind of go into that battle alone, 
when we do that under our own strength and under our own power, very often the result is that we're overcome, and oftentimes we actually contribute to our continued brokenness. We contribute to our own bondage or our own demise in, in some ways. And, and you can see that in people's lives. That's, that's not just a Christian concept. Like you can just look in everyday lives and you can see people who, who go about living their lives in a way that is to their detriment. And the world would offer some solutions to that. Uh, sociology, psychology, humanities, philosophy, all of these kind of uh, uh, places of focus and kind of academic pursuit, they, they could offer, hey, here's some ways to kind of help yourself out. In fact, we would call it self-help oftentimes. And the push would be to get you to a place where you had a greater discipline in your life towards your health and towards your benefit, and the vocabulary around it would suggest that you need self-mastery. That would be the, the terms, that, that you need to develop self-mastery, and the world answers the issues of life like that with that answer. You, you need to be a better master of your self. And if you actually even study some of the ways that some of those other academic disciplines would suggest that you go about doing that, you could loop the steps into like a few kind of buckets or, or, or thought baskets, as, as it were. It, it starts with awareness. It starts with recognizing that you have kind of this need or this problem, that the, blind, the blinders or the blind spots are kind of removed, and there's a, a greater understanding of what's going on in your life. And then you're supposed to move in your kind of your own strength and your own learning to a place where you have a discernment of choice, that you recognize that you don't have to continue the pattern that you're in, but that there's some different choices that are allotted to you. And then you move past that to actually making a decision and following it through. And for most of us, that can be a big tripping point. In fact, we make the decision, we're never going to do that again, only to do it again, and then we kind of get caught maybe in that place. But if you work really hard, and if you're really kind of persistent in that, then self-mastery would say you can get to this place where now you have the realization, or you actually become what you are trying to be. So in a sense, you would become self-mastered. And there are helpful things in all of those schools of discipline and all of those focuses of study, and there are practical steps that everybody has to take to move from living a life that is undisciplined to a life that is disciplined. But for the Christian, it addresses the issue separately than just you need to help yourself. For the Christian, we get to address this issue with a reminder that we have the Holy Spirit present and active in our lives, and that if we keep in step with the Spirit, we will move towards faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You'll move into a more uh, purposed and disciplined way that you're living your life because of the Spirit of God at work in you. And the beautiful thing about being in step with the Spirit is the Holy Spirit will always, always, always lead you back to Jesus. And that's where we find his help rather than our own self-help. With that thought, we're going to go ahead and turn our eyes towards Scripture today. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and get that out. If you've got your smartphone or your tablet, I want to encourage you to open up your Bible app. Lord, we ask that you would give us soft hearts to receive from your word today. Lord, give us a willingness uh, to turn our attention to the things that you would bring to our hearts and our minds, places that uh, we need to allow you to attend. 
Lord, for the places that we are trying in our own strength, in our own control, to somehow exercise discipline, Lord, would you help us to be open-handed in those places, knowing that it's when we yield and surrender to you and partner with your spirit that we can actually see that accomplished in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So Galatians chapter 5, fruit of the spirit. This has been uh, kind of our main text, but particularly verse 22, 23, the first part of that. Uh, Every week we go through this reminder, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so this morning we're going to be looking again at faithfulness, gentleness, self-control to remind you the first three are directed towards the Lord. The next three are directed outwards towards others. It's the way that we love our neighbors as ourself, in a so to speak. And the last three have to do with developing Christ-like character in you that really is uh, birthed out of understanding that you are loved. It's the way that you kind of love yourself in a way to do the other things well. When the Spirit of God is at work in our lives, so when we're living a life in step with the Spirit, when we're living life according to the Spirit of God, it should result in these things being present in the way that we live out our lives. And these three, again, have to do with who we are, and the inside has to do with Christian character and conduct, so who you are and now impacting the way that you go and you live your life. And all three of these you could take and put into that bucket thought of self-mastery. It has to do with uh, kind of disciplining your life in a way that you are not controlled by your impulse, but that you have uh, really more of a discipline taking place. And so the first one, we're going to look at these uh, one, two, and three. We're going to look at faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, look a little bit about what they are and how those uh, can be worked into us and what they look like demonstrate. Uh, demonstrated out of us. And that first one, faithfulness, okay, that word faithfulness in the Greek, it's the word pistis. Uh, Almost every time in the New Testament when you're reading about faith or faithfulness or faithfully, that's the root of this. But it's also translated as trustworthy in a number of different places as well. In fact, in Luke chapter 16, when Jesus is talking about the parable of the faithful servants, it talks about the trustworthy of those servants in the stewardship of the things that they were entrusted with. And it says this with that kingdom principle that you were faithful with the little, so you will be faithful with the much, or you will be rewarded with much. There's a kingdom principle that as we grow in faithfulness and a trustworthy reliability in the things of God, that we actually enjoy a greater measure of fruitfulness as a result of that. And that's what this faithfulness is talking about. Somebody who has developed this into their lives is somebody that others can rely on. They're trustworthy. You know that they're going to come through. And this can be one that we kind of wrestle with a little bit because we're all aware of where we didn't come through, aren't we? And sometimes if we aren't aware, someone is going to make us aware of the disappointment that they have in us because we didn't follow through or we didn't come through into that place. Faithfulness is something that we can work towards. You can, you can work at being a man of your word, a woman of your word. You can work at being trustworthy and honest. But to be faithful in the sense that this is talking about is something that comes in partnership with the Holy Spirit being at work in your life, that you are faithfully, reliably trustworthy even to the point of being willing to sacrifice yourself for the benefit of somebody else, all of the things that you see that are a greater expression of agape love in Scripture, not just kind of regular love like I like you as long as you're doing what I want. 
And so it moves kind of to this, this uh, deeper understanding. We've all been unreliable. We've all been untrustworthy. We've all failed. We've all fallen short. There's that scripture in Romans that says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And honestly, I've never met somebody who needed that verse to convince them that they had failed in their life. Most of us are already readily aware that we've missed the mark in some way. But in addressing that, in moving towards a, a greater health and fruitfulness and spiritual vitality, it's not just, okay, you have to try harder this time, or you're going to have to just kind of make some changes, or you need this one, two, three, simple self-help. Really, when we partner with the Holy Spirit, we'll begin to see that change take place there. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus addresses this need of being trustworthy and faithful in the things that we say. It's just one example of the arena of life that, that this could uh, come down to. But in Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's addressing the tendency that they had at the time to make, to make oaths or promises over and beyond what they said that they would do. And oftentimes they would make an oath and they would swear by their own head. That would be the equivalent to you and I when we were kids saying, cross my heart and hope to die, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to swear on my life. Uh, when I was in kind of middle school and in high school and somebody would say, hey man, this is, this is something that's taking place or I'm going to do this or I'm going to come through and you're like, yeah, right, you're not going to do that. And then we'd say, no, I, I put that on my mom. Like that was the, the language that we would use. We wouldn't risk our own lives. We just risk mama's life, right? I'm going to put that on my mom. And what Jesus does is he addresses our tendency to have to kind of uh, reinforce our word. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, he says, all you need to say is simply yes or no. An older translation of that or uh, another translation of that verse would say, let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. What he's saying is you need to be trustworthy, reliable. You need to be faithful. You need to be a person of your word. You need to follow through. And then there's this like little added statement on the end of it, and it says this, anything beyond that comes from the evil one. Whoa, wait a minute. Right? That's kind of a surprising thing to say. But here's the deal. If I tell you I'm going to do something and feel that I have to be compulsed to make some type of promissory statement, some type of oath on top of it, what I'm telling you at the very beginning is that I'm not worthy to follow through on my word. It begins with an assumption that I'm going to be deceitful and untrustworthy, and the father of lies, the father of deceit is Satan. And so Jesus is saying, hey, when, when you start from a point where you're saying, hey, you can't actually trust me to be faithful to my word, you're already beginning from a point of assumed deceit, that you're not going to follow through unless there are extra things that are brought into as barriers that make you follow through. And what's being demonstrated there is really it's, it's a lack of un, uh, it's a lack of faithfulness. It's an unfaithfulness in us. And so when you and I, when we allow the Spirit of God to be at work in us, when we allow ourselves to be made aware of our need and then to take steps being led by the Spirit, we move into a greater expression of faithfulness in our lives. We become people of our word. We become people who follow through even when it's hard. We become people who are reliable that others can trust on and count on, that we're going to come through for them. But that demonstration in loving our neighbor has to be a character and a fortitude that is developed in us first. And the Holy Spirit helps us do that in a really, really practical way. His list moves from faithfulness to gentleness. 
to gentleness. And it's important for us to recognize what this word is and to have a good understanding of it because especially as men, like, I don't want this, right? I, I grew up being called Gentle Ben, right, from the old, from the old TV show. Like, like, no, I don't want to be seen as soft or gentle, and most men don't. I want to be a gentleman, but I don't want to be a gentle man, right? And, and we know the difference. And in fact, I, I shared this at the earlier service. Like, handshakes are important to us, aren't, aren't they, guys? If they're not, your handshake should be important to you. No, I'm teasing. I don't want to put undue pressure on you. But man, here, if, if you shake my hand, and this happens on occasion, and you catch me short, right? You grab my fingers here. I'm calling a do-over right now. Do-over. Do, I, no, I get a redo. I get to come in tight, and I get to lock it, and I get to shake your hand like a man. You don't get to grab me like the limp fish and then turn my hand this way in that awkward, like, we didn't do this right, but let's just, you know, we'll just pretend it didn't happen. No, do-over. Right? Because there's something about us. We don't want to be seen as gentle or weak or kind of emasculated by something like that. And this word gentle, it's so important to recognize that it doesn't carry any of those connotations. This word for gentleness is not weakness. This is not softness. This isn't something, oh, you have soft hands. Like this, this is not in some way bringing a verdict of diminishment. This word for gentleness means to have power always under control. It's a strength that is always measured and focused and purposed. That it's not kind of wanton and it's not just kind of prone to excess, but it's also not something that is weak and timid and, oh, I don't really know. Like it's everything that you wanted the courage, uh, the, the cowardly lion to be at the end of Wizard of Oz. It's that. Power and strength a sense of, uh, 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 of identity that's going to be exercised with purpose. That's what this word has entailed in it. And it was a word that it was uh, something that was uh, a virtue and something that was celebrated in uh, kind of Greek philosophy. And Aristotle uh, described it in this way. He said that this word was something where a person who had this was always angry at the right time and never angry at the wrong time. That there was a passion and a zeal and a willingness to act, but it was always appropriate, it was always purpose, it was always measured, and it was always productive. And unfortunately, especially in, in a lot of men in our culture, we don't see this type of gentleness. We don't see strength and power under control. We see weakness and timidity, or we see power in excess that is destructive. It's all too often to have an, an interaction with somebody where their anger turns to rage and destruction, whether, where it's not righteous, where it's not productive, and where it doesn't actually attend to the root. But we see people who have strength and they use it wrong, and then we see people who lack strength. And can I just tell you, man of God, you need to be somebody who has gentleness as a fruit of the Spirit. And you need to be somebody who has strength and power and courage. And you need to be brave in the face of all of the things that the world would throw at you. But you need to do it in a way where you are measured and under control and where you are always effective for the kingdom of God. And you cannot get there by helping yourself. You can't get there by going to the gym. You can't get there by exercising uh, some type of manly hobby. Like you can't do that on your own. You have to have the Holy Spirit develop that in you. And ladies, we need women of God who are like that too. 
We need women of God who will stand shoulder to shoulder with men of God, and they will all pull the sword of the Spirit, and they will go to work for the kingdom of God. Gentleness, power, under control, where we are appropriately uh, upset at the things that would grieve and anger the heart of God, but we are never prone to our own rage or excess or, or using that as a, a mask or a means to hurt others. Like this type of gentleness is being spoken of here. And apart from the Spirit of God, you will exercise this incorrectly. You will do this wrong. And then he moves from this idea of faithfulness and gentleness to self-control. Self-control. And this word means that you are able to monitor your own actions, emotions, thoughts, and responses. And at the heart of this, in a, in a biblical sense, self-control is what gives you the victory over your fleshly desires. All of the places in Scripture where we are told to put off this and put on that. Every place in Scripture where Paul tells us that, that we need to put off the old man and put on the new man. Where we need to put to death the desires of our flesh and we need to move into uh, the things of the kingdom of God. Even in the Galatians 5 passage where he says uh, the works of the flesh are these things, but we need the fruit of the Spirit. That contrast of removing and replacing that Pastor Tom talked about last week, that it's, it's something that this word holds in, uh, in its understanding. It gives us victory over our fleshly desires. And this ultimately, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where in the point of decision, in, in the moment of decision, this is where we either demonstrate a self-control that is led and tempered by the Holy Spirit, or we are controlled by self oftentimes. The theologian Barclay described this word in this way, that this idea of self-control, that it's the quality that makes a person able to live and walk in the world, but keep their garments unspotted from the world. There's kind of an idea of Christianity that's, that's called, we're to be in the world, but not of the world. In John chapter 17, Jesus talks about how we're not part of the way that this world works anymore, that in Christ, that we're, uh, that we're different. We no longer really belong here. The apostle Paul says that we're sojourners or we're aliens. We're just kind of passing through. We're still here for a while, but we've got a different destiny. We've got another place that we're going to that we don't actually belong here anymore. And as such, we should live differently. We should live in contrast to the brokenness and the sin and the darkness around us. Uh, Jesus would say that, that we are the light of the world, right? And that we are to shine our light and not be diminished by the darkness around us. There's to be a, a difference in the way that we live. And self-control is really at the root of our everyday decisions as to whether or not this is going to be something that we follow through on. And you can be disciplined to some degree because of the way that you're wired, and you can take some positive measures and positive steps that would be helpful for you to structure your life and, and to have some things in order. You can get an accountability partner who can say, hey, are you following through on the things that you need to follow through? And all of those things are helpful and often good. But if you don't partner with the Spirit of God to develop this, it will not be developed in you. You will always be in this arena of battling yourself inside and you will be alone in that battle because you'll be doing it in your own strength. 
And it's only when we allow the Spirit of God to have access to our life and when we have a willingness to say, I'm going to participate, Holy Spirit, in what you're doing and and what you're calling me to, that we begin to see growth and we begin to see change take place, that we are moved forward because we are in step with the Spirit, as Paul would say. And if you live that way, live by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit, then the fruit of the Spirit is the natural result of that type of living. And so it's the Spirit of God that we need to be present and powerful in our lives. And with with His presence, with His power, we can see this develop in us. We can walk this out. We can see and enjoy a greater victory and a greater measure of that expressed in our lives. But it's going to begin with awareness. It, It begins with you recognizing your need, with me recognizing my need, and agreeing with that being true. So you go back to the beginning, and I'm folding warm cookies in half and just eating them one at a time, right? So, you know, one night, one time in our years of marriage, not a big deal. If I did that every night, there would definitely be some changes taking place, at least in my physical person. And if it was slow enough and I wasn't aware of it, I would need somebody to say, "Uh, you don't look so good. Right? There, there would need to be some type of illumination for me to become aware. And what I would suggest to you, if you have areas in your life right now where you're lacking discipline, where you're, where you're not following through, where there's not a faithfulness, a trustworthiness, a reliability to your person, where there's not a power under control type of gentleness, but you're just kind of prone to like timidity and then just full-on rage machine, like... You need to be made aware of those needs, and you need to invite the Holy Spirit to work in those places. And until those two things begin to take place, you will constantly struggle with the same things in the same place the same way. And you'll scratch your head and you'll wonder why, because you're trying so hard to be different. You need to be made different. You need to be renewed by the work of the Spirit in you. And in Psalm 139, as the psalmist is kind of closing out that psalm, is a a prayer and really an invitation for the Lord to bring awareness to us. And it says this. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. It's an invitation for God to come and look at his life. It's an invitation for God to open the junk drawer that you all have in the kitchen and to rifle through it and to say, this is garbage, it doesn't need to be in here. And to look to replace it with the things that would be beneficial and helpful in that place. It's an invitation to being vulnerable and open before the Lord. And then the last statement, it says, after that, search me and test me and see. Then he says this, lead me in the way everlasting. Reveal to me what is true in the way that I am to go. It's a prayer to become more aware of the need that he has and the way that the Lord would address it. And we're going to close with that thought this morning. Church family, if you would stand. Worship team, if you would come back forward. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for just a moment, and I want to ask you this question. Are you willing willing to make that invitation 
Are you willing to invite the Spirit of God to search you and to know you? Are you willing to allow the Spirit of God to dig in your stuff and to draw to your attention places that need to change? Places where he needs to work in order for you to become a faithful man of God, woman of God. Places in you where he needs to work to give you courage or to temper your strength so that you would be somebody who has power under control. Places in your life where he would make you aware that you lack self-control. That you don't monitor your actions or your emotions or your thoughts or your responses, but that you're just prone to any and every expression of those and you're tossed back and forth by the waves would you be willing to have him search your heart today Lord we give you that invitation we invite you to search us Holy Spirit we invite you to honestly assess our fruit Lord our desire would be that the fruit of the Spirit is displayed in our life and that the things that would be of our counterfeit production, our own facsimiles, Lord, that those uh, fraudulent fruits would be removed, that we would move away from trying to pursue you and even live a life for you in our own strength and in our own effort, Lord, that we would move away from being uh, prone to, to being driven and motivated by our own work. Lord, help us to surrender today. Search our hearts. And Lord, for the places that you make aware, Holy Spirit, for the places that you bring to our heart's attention, to our mind's eye right now, places where we uh, are unfaithful, places where we lack gentleness, places where we are not controlled, Lord, give us a willingness to surrender those to you. And Lord, at that surrender and at that invitation, begin to do a new and a deep work that would begin to change that. Moving us into a place where we are in step with you. In Jesus' name. When you choose to live a life where you are gonna keep in step with the Spirit of God, the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is he will always lead you back to Jesus. Book of John, Jesus says that he is the vine and that we are the branches that apart from him, we cannot bear fruit. And so when that fruit is suspect or lacking, the Holy Spirit will always investigate, are you connected to Jesus? Are you staying connected to the vine? And this morning as we close, we're gonna take communion together and it's a great way for you to just reconnect with Jesus, to reconnect with the vine to move in a way where you move back to Jesus, acknowledge him, and recognize that it's because of what he's done and what he has promised to do that we can hold fast and contend for fruitfulness in our lives. We're gonna continue uh, to worship for a few moments. Pastor Cameron and I are gonna pass out the bread and the juice. If you would hold that, we'll take that together as a church family as we close today.
got a few action steps for you just to kind of put uh, some, some application into this week. But begin uh, by praying. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal places in your life where maybe you're lacking discipline. And as you are made aware of that, invite the Holy Spirit to begin to lead you in that area of your life. And then keep in step with his leading, just purpose to follow him and follow him close and begin to see that change take place in you.